everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. She is a 1988 U.S. Olympian and world record holder in the high jump for ages 40 to 44, as well as garnering six U.S. national and three world championship titles, as recounted in her 2010 release, Rekindle the Dream, how a neck injury, the birth of two children, and an 11-year hiatus from competitive sports would not only propel this athlete to overcome but achieve even greater in the world of sports and against all odds. In her latest, King Here, Never Too Old, Never Too Rich, or Too Anything to Meet Jesus, my next guest recounts a different kind of overcoming. The grief from sudden and horrific loss, coupled with the ongoing grief of a loved one's opioid addiction and eventual suicide, and how Trish and her family have had to overcome, and how you can too. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to testimony, Olympian, motivational speaker, and award-winning author of her latest heart-wrenching yet hopeful read, King Here, Trish Porter Topmiller. Trish, welcome to testimony. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Trish, it's an honor to have you. I took the time to let our listeners know a little bit about you and your previous book, Rekindle the Dream, since yours is a family that has achieved and overcome much. But now, as you document in your latest, King Here, you tell a different kind of story. It's the story of your father, Charles W. Quote, Chuck, as affectionately known, King Jr., and what you would need to overcome what you never expected. So first question, describe your father and why telling his story is so important for you and those listening today. Well, my dad was really an amazing man. He loved outrageous adventures. He um, wasn't about things. He ended up becoming a multimillionaire uh, in business through the real estate uh, industry and venture capitalist and took several um, businesses public uh, or took one business public. Uh, but he was really a unique individual. And when I looked back on his life, that was when I realized I wanted to write about him because he had this amazing part of his life and then he had such tragic losses that you and I look at as tragic and sad and horrible. But I look and I saw God's plan and the pieces of the puzzle coming together. And that was one of the reasons I really wanted to write about his life. Now, your father amassed a fortune in the millions through real estate and as a venture capitalist, but lost 97% of it all in a day, plunging him into a state of bedridden depression, opioid addiction that would eventually take his life by his own hand at age 82. What efforts, Trish, were made to intervene and help and how useful was your, quote, never give up Olympian attitude through this process, or was it? Well, I, I think as an Olympian, you're pretty relentless, 
and you have to have perseverance and stay in the game during the hard times. And that's really, I think, was the attitude of our entire family, is we tried not to give up. We tried to uh, continue to tell him how valuable he was and what his worth was to us and to the grandchildren. We talked about doing an intervention and decided not to. Um, We constantly tried to have him over for my brothers, would have him over for dinner with all the kids and take him to events, uh, sporting events, the kids, the grandkids, sporting events to let them know how important they were to us. So I think that I tried to, you know, stay in the game and not give up, even though we were all very frustrated because he continued with his opioid addiction. Now, you had loss and grief to deal with in your own life while all of this was going on with your father. You lost a husband of 20 years and a son just 15 years of age and his friend. At the same time, your stepmother, who was 20 years younger than your father, also lost her life to addiction at the age of 60. How did you comport? of that? Well, uh, you know, the, the loss of, of my husband, Pat, who was a two-time Olympian who I met at the Olympics, so um, that was very special and very sweet. He was a pilot, uh, and both he and my 15-year-old son, Connor, who was a U.S. fencing medalist at the National Fencing Championships, along with their friend, Connor Mange, were all in, in Sedona at a boys' trip, at a guys' trip and the plane went down, and so I lost half my family. Suddenly, I lost my guys, Uh, we lost our laughter, Um, and so that is such a life changer when you don't expect something. You don't ever expect that. It's not how you you planned your life. It's not how your life was going in the direction, Uh, and so it really rocked my world. I kind of stood on, I trust you, Lord, the first night, the first night after uh, the accident, I was in bed with my daughter, and she was 11, and she said, Mom, I know they're in heaven, I know they're in a better place, and I know we'll see them again one day because they believed in Jesus. And so we really stood on that. That gave us hope. It gave us confidence that we'll see them again one day. And, and that just was something that we clung to. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Trish Porter Topmiller, award-winning author of her just-released King Here, Never Too Old, Too Rich, or Too Anything to Meet Jesus. Your father was the epitome of go get success, risk-taker, adrenaline junkie, family man, jet-setting here and there, wonderful times, and all of a sudden, as you recount in your book, he's in bed, sleeping most of the day. He doesn't handle the death of his wife well. You're trying to, as you alluded to earlier, get him out, get him around the grandchildren, give him hope, give him life, but still something was missing. And in the meantime now, you are now remarried to a wonderful man whom God used eventually to lead your father to the Lord before his death, and the angel you call Michael. Tell us about that. So, yes, Michael uh, 
so my dad finally agreed to go to church after I got married. I, I, I say that that was kind of the closest he'd come to church in a long time was our wedding. And my brother had been asking him to go to church, and finally he agreed to go. And there in the second row was Michael. Uh, and I believe he was an angel, because remember his name was Michael, Michael mm-hmm. Archangel. And so he was worshiping the Lord with his whole being, raising his hands and moving his body as he sang songs in, in a fairly conservative church. And my dad was inexplicably drawn to him. He would call my brother in the middle of the week and say, hey, are you going to church on Sunday? Because I want to get there early. I want to go and sit behind my friend, Michael. Now, the thing about my dad is my dad was never on time for anything in his life. He, was, <laughs> he lived by King Standard Time, which was typically one to two hours late. So for him to want to get there early, that was incredible. So describe Michael for our listeners. As I recount in your book, he had his hands raised to the Lord. Obviously, he was full of the joy of the Lord. Talk about what your father took away from watching Michael as he worshipped. I, you know, it, it doesn't quite make sense to me because really, my dad was 82 years old, uh, and most men at that age, if they were to go to church and see somebody like that, they would be, they wouldn't, they would be very uncomfortable, right, with a person raising their hand. <laughs> right. And and but my dad wasn't. He he was drawn to him. He was drawn to him, and so that's what was so incredible. And and then one day. My brother uh, went up to Michael and said, Michael, will you please talk to my dad about Jesus? You know, I've tried, and he doesn't want to really listen, but he really likes you and is drawn to you. Will you talk to him? And Michael looked at my brother and said, God's got your dad in his hands. God's got your dad in his hands. That, to me, was just such a crazy statement, because usually if someone loves the Lord, sure, I'll talk to your father. You know, be happy to. But he didn't. He knew that God had my dad in his hands. So then bring us to the day when your husband is sitting down at a table and he begins to share the plan of salvation with your father. So, yeah, we didn't even know if my dad would get up in the morning um, to be able to, you know, to, to see James. James decided to read his Bible out in the kitchen, hoping to see my dad. And my dad came out. And James asked him if he'd ever studied the Bible before. And my dad said no. And then he said, well, Chuck, if you were to die and go to heaven, and you were at the pearly gates, and they said, why should we let you in? What would you say? And my dad said, because I've been a good person. And, and, and James said, yeah, but in, in heaven, the standard is perfection. With God, the standard is perfection. And all of us sin, all of us fall short. And we aren't perfect. Chuck, have you ever told a lie? And my dad said, well, yeah. And he goes, that's an example of the sin that separates us from God. But thankfully, um, God has supplied Jesus to die, who died on the cross for us and rose again, to be perfect, the standard of perfection. And if we believe in him and put our trust in him, then we can be saved. And so then he asked if my dad would like to pray to receive Jesus sincerely into his heart, and my dad said yes, and they prayed together. Amen and amen. And there's a time, it's kind of funny, in your book, where he wasn't sure that he heard everything that your husband said, because he had a hearing aid at the time. So did you question whether or not he really heard the context of salvation 
Oh, yeah. No, he absolutely hurt because he did. He, he, he kept getting closer and closer to James as they were as James was talking. And then he finally said, hang on, I need to get my hearing aid. <laughs> and I know, which is very silly. James just was like, oh, no. But the thing is, my dad didn't usually sit and listen to people talk for very long unless it was maybe about business. So I knew dad was also drawn to the words that James was using. And, um, and James also understood my father because he was a businessman and he had lost his wife too. So my dad couldn't say, well, you don't understand my pain. He liked James. He knew James understood his pain and had gone through something similar. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Olympian, motivational speaker, and award-winning author, her latest, King Here, Never Too Old, Too Rich, or to anything to meet Jesus. You can learn more about Trish's work, ministry, and mission by visiting trishportertopmiller.com and get her book, Get Informed, Get Inspired, and above all, get hope that suicide does not have the final word and all things are possible through Christ who loves us. Trish, thank you for sharing just a little of your amazing journey and that of your father, a blessed memory, Charles W. King, Jr., a man of few words, great achievements, great losses, yet in the end, great hope. We look forward to hearing much, much more next week. God bless you. Thank you. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensine Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.